Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and thank you for joining us again. Welcome if it's your first time. Today we're going to be listening to some of the music uh, recorded by the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra. Of course, that was one of the best known black jazz bands of the 1920s and the 30s as well. And he had a roster of great performers in his band over those years. Uh, we're going to be focusing on one particular kind of narrow element of his recorded legacy. Henderson was born in Cuthbert, Georgia in 1897. He was raised in a very middle-class household. He got piano lessons. His parents were musical. His mother was, at any rate. Uh, by the 1910s, he had moved to New York City. He was going to be studying chemistry uh, at the graduate level, but he found that piano playing was a much more uh, lucrative occupation, especially during that period when James Reese Europe had uh, developed the Clef Club orchestras that were being run by uh, Noble Sissel and... Um, Hubie uh, Blake, especially Hubie Blake during the World War I years, and Henderson became a, a noted performer on that circuit in white society, uh, which had a vogue for black orchestras playing at their functions in the late 1910s. By about 1920 or so, he began his recording career. He was a, uh, a recording director at Black Swan Records for about a year and a half. He was uh, responsible for bringing singers in, for teaching them music, for making arrangements, things like that, uh, classical and jazz. And uh, after uh, Ethel Waters' initial success on that record label, he was engaged to put a band together for her and lead it on tour during, I think it was the fall of 1920 and the spring of 1921, and he became a band leader doing that. When he returned to New York, he went back into the studios. He did play dance dates and so forth, but he uh, developed a little coterie of musicians around him who uh, could be depended on to show up to the recording studio on time and read the scores or uh, improvise backgrounds to singers, whatever it was called for at the time. By 1923, the latter part of 1923, early 1924, he had a full-time orchestra playing uh, at the Roseland Ballroom. That was in 1924, and he had expanded the band to 10 pieces. Uh, which was the usual size group of the time for arrangements that you buy, stock arrangements, two trumpets, a trombone, three reeds, piano, banjo, tuba, and drums. And sometimes a singer, sometimes a violinist, but that was the core group. He uh, came to be known as uh, one of the drivers of uh, the jazz uh, fraternity, the black jazz fraternity, especially in New York at the time. And he uh, had remembered a particularly fine trumpet player that he had encountered in New Orleans while he was on tour with Ethel Waters, a fellow named Louis Armstrong, who was at the time playing in Chicago with his mentor, King Oliver's uh, Creole Jazz Band. And a couple of times Henderson tried to get him to join his band, but Armstrong uh, was reluctant. But finally, in the summer, late summer, early fall of 1924, uh, Armstrong decided he would do it. Actually, it may have been decided for him by his wife, Lil Harden Armstrong. But in October, he came east to New York and joined the Henderson Band and stayed with him for just about a year and one month and made quite a number of recordings that became very influential on the New York scene. And his presence and his uh, playing abilities likewise became quite influential. And then he shortly after went back to Chicago and started his great series of Hot 5 and Hot 7 recordings. We're going to be listening to the music that the Henderson Band recorded 
right at the very end of the Armstrong period and uh, for the next year or so, uh, when they were finding their footing again after losing Armstrong, they were looking for another trumpet soloist and they were trying to incorporate some of Armstrong's rhythmic and uh, improvisational uh, innovations into the, the scores. This was a time when Don Redman was the lead alto sax player with the band and he had been doing quite a bit of arranging and he started doing more arranging at this point. Uh, not too many uh, original scores, but uh, he would doctor stock arrangements and things like that. And we're going to hear quite a, a few pop tunes of the day from late 1924 to early 1926 that the Henderson Band recorded. And we will hear some great solos as well. Now, at the time, the band consisted of uh, Elmer Chambers and uh, Joe Smith on trumpets or cornets. I'm not sure which when they switched over to that. And uh, in the trombone section, we have Charlie Green, Big Green, who plays on all these sessions. Uh, Don Redman, as I said, played lead alto sax. He also played some clarinet. He sings one or two numbers as well. Buster Bailey uh, had come east with uh, Armstrong in 1924, and he stayed in New York playing clarinet and alto sax. All the clarinet solos are his. Coleman Hawkins on tenor and bass sax, and we're going to hear quite a bit of bass sax playing on these sessions. Uh, Fletcher Henderson on piano, Charlie Dixon on banjo, Ralph Escudero on tuba, and Kaiser Marshall on drums. For the first two tunes, we're actually going to hear Louis Armstrong. These will be the last two tunes that he recorded, and I wanted to include those before we went on to the next section. Uh, the two tunes we're going to hear from uh, with Louis Armstrong will be recorded, uh, or were recorded on October 21st of 1925, literally a day or two before he left to return to Chicago. And these tunes are TNT, which was an Elmer Schobel tune. He was a Chicago piano player who uh, wrote many tunes, uh, Bugle Call, Rag Prince of Wales, things like that, uh, and arranged uh, as well. And this was probably a stock arrangement that was rearranged by Don Redman. Following that, we're going to hear a Rube Bloom tune called The Carolina Stomp. Both of these feature Louis Armstrong on short solos. After that, we're going to go up about a month, less than a month, three weeks, to November 16th of 1925. Uh, Armstrong had left, and Russell Smith had replaced him. Russell Smith was actually uh, taking over as the lead trumpet player at the time. He was a very well-known uh, lead player and had played as early as the 1910s with uh, the Clef Club Band, James Reese Europe, Cricket Smith, and uh, also in World War I. He was the brother of Joe Smith, who from this point on takes all of the trumpet solos, or most of the trumpet solos, some of which are are in the Armstrong style. So the two tunes we're going to hear from uh, that period, November 16th of 1925, are Sleepy Time Gal and Then I'll Be Happy. Sleepy Time Gal was a pretty well-known uh, tune at the time by Richard Whiting, and Then I'll Be Happy had a brief surge of popularity, if you will, uh, and that was by Cliff Friend. Then we're going to go up uh, another couple of weeks to December 5th of 1925, and uh, same band, uh, actually it's December 7th of 1925, I should say, same band, uh, and we're going to hear two tunes, The Peaceful Valley, uh, which uh, was by someone named Robinson, I'm not sure which Robinson it was, then Hayfoot Strawfoot by McDonald's Carroll and Freed, and all of these are going to feature uh, some very fine clarinet playing by Buster Bailey and tenor and bass sax playing by Coleman Hawkins. They were the major soloists uh, after Armstrong left, although we'll hear some fine trumpet by Joe Smith and um, trombone 
owned by Charlie Green as well. Uh, there may be three trumpets in here. Uh, Elmer Chambers left around this period. There may only be two. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to uh, find a third trumpeter coming in, uh, another Smith brother, Luke Smith. Luke, Russell, and Joe were the trumpet section at the time, but probably uh, some of these only had two trumpets. So those are our tunes for this set coming up. TNT and Carolina Stomp featuring Louis Armstrong, and then four tunes uh, following his departure. Sleepy Time Gal, Then I'll Be Happy, Peaceful Valley, and Hayfoot Strawfoot.
go and do what you do. Love when you love, then I'll be happy. I want to sigh when you sigh, and cry when you cry. Smile when you smile, then I'll be happy. If you go north or south, if you go east or west, I'll follow you, sweetheart, and share your little loveliness. I want to go when you go, just do what you do.
there we have what we call hot dance of the 1920s, hot dance music. Um, I'm guessing most of those, if not all of them, were played from publisher stock arrangements of the time. Don Redmond had done uh, some original arrangements before that, featuring Louis Armstrong, and he was to do many coming up after that. But during this period, for that year or so, year and a few months that we're going to cover today, uh, I think they were reliant more on stocks. They did not record a great deal during this period compared to what came before and what was to come afterwards as well. Most of their recordings, well, I won't say that, about half of the recordings are on the Vocalion label. Some are on Columbia, the better sound quality ones, and we heard a couple on the Banner label as well. So we started out with the two tunes that ended up with Louis Armstrong's tenure with the band, TNT and Carolina Stop. TNT um, featured both trumpet players. It had some Louis Armstrong at the beginning and in the middle, and then Joe Smith at the end. You could tell his broader sound and much more kind of romantic, laid-back approach. Very interesting player uh, in that regard. Then, uh, that was from October 21st of 1925, then with Carolina Stump we heard a bass sax solo by Coleman Hawkins, who was emerging as the major soloist in the band. Even while Armstrong was there, he was beginning to assert himself a little bit. And those were done for Columbia Records. Then, uh, as I said, about three weeks later, November 16th of 1925, Armstrong had just left, and there were two tunes recorded for Banner Records. Small record label, so poor sound quality. We heard Sleepy Time Gal, which had a good uh, clarinet solo by um, uh, Buster Bailey in this case. Uh, also, uh, an interesting tenor solo, which was probably... Uh, something that Louis Armstrong had uh, played on trumpet when he was with the band, but Coleman Hawkins was uh, deputized in that case, and you could sort of imagine Armstrong coming in uh, at that point and driving things along, and Hawkins was an able deputy in that case. That was Sleepy Time Gal, and, that fin and then finishing up that uh, particular recording session with Then I'll Be Happy with a charming vocal by Don Redman and some good solos as well. Then we jumped over a couple of weeks to December 7th of 1925, and we heard Peaceful Valley, which featured some drum breaks by Kaiser Marshall, who was considered one of the best drummers of the period, and also some good sax section work uh, with Don Redmond, Buster Bailey, and uh, Coleman Hawkins playing in the section there. Um, and that was, uh, as I said, Peaceful Valley, recorded for Vocalion, and its uh, session mate, Flipside, Hayfoot Strawfoot, which featured a full chorus solo by Coleman Hawkins on bass sax, and some alto, probably by Don Redmond, although possibly by Buster Bailey as well. And as I said, those were all done by Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra uh, on some of the major labels. There was a concurrent series done by a band that was called the Dixie Stompers, which generally was a smaller group from the Henderson band, usually just one or possibly two trumpets, trombone, a couple of reeds, and the rhythm section, and they would play straight stock arrangements, uh, although some of those are quite interesting. We have a podcast in the past on the Dixie Stompers, some very good playing there as well. Those were recorded for the Harmony label, which were all acoustic recordings, even into the electric period. So we're going to move on now to a set of uh, Henderson recordings from the next period, starting out in, uh, let's see, 19, actually about a week after uh, the session we just heard. This will be from December 18th of 1925, recorded for Columbia, and so good quality there. And we're going to hear quite a bit of 
bass sax uh, by Coleman Hawkins, as well as some uh, playing by Don Redman on the instrument called the Goofus, which was popularized as much as it was, I suppose, by Adrian Rollini, who also played bass sax. And those recordings that Rollini made with the California Ramblers and with the Red Nichols groups around this time were quite influential and popular, and so you can imagine that the Henderson Band was trying to capitalize on that. So we had a Goofus and some prominent bass sax as well, and I think that might have been part of the reason. So we're going to start out with two tunes from December 18th of 1925, as I said. We're going to hear Nobody's Rose and Pensacola, both of which uh, were by um, Fred Rose, who was a notable composer of Tin Pan Alley tunes of the period and later became a founding member of the country music fraternity. He and Roy Acuff uh, had a publishing company from the late 1940s on in Nashville, but here he was uh, a hack, a Tin Pan Alley hack, as they said, although he did some very, very good songs. So, uh, following those two tunes, we're going to go on to January 6th of 1926 and four tunes recorded for Vocalion. And I'll remind you, the band here is Russell Smith and Joe Smith on trumpets. Joe Smith takes the trumpet solos. If there's a third trumpet, it's the third brother, Luke Smith in that case. Charlie Green on trombone. Buster Bailey plays the clarinet solos and alto sax in the section. Don Redman plays alto sax and goofus along with some clarinet. Coleman Hawkins plays tenor and bass sax along with some clarinet. The boss, Fletcher Henderson on piano, Charlie Dixon on banjo, Ralph Escudero on tuba, and Kaiser Marshall on drums. And the four tunes we're going to hear uh, rounding out this uh, set are Dinah, the first really popular tune or lasting popular tune the Henderson Band recorded during this period. It had been introduced by uh, Ethel Waters in a show. That was a tune by Harry Axt, and uh, here we have some good dance band uh, fare here with the Henderson version of that. Following that is I Want Somebody to Cheer Me Up uh, by Fiorito and Khan. Ted Fiorito and Gus Khan, who wrote many other better-known numbers, but this is kind of a nifty little period pop. Then a tune with a marvelous title, I Want to See a Little More of What I Saw in Arkansas, uh, with four people credited for that. Houston, Edelheit, uh, Oliver, and Farrar, and I'm not exactly sure who those are. Fuzzy Farrar was a trumpet player, certainly, um, so it might have been he in there. It might have been a California Ramblers tune. Then we're going to hear Let Me Introduce You to My Rosie, a tune uh, apparently featured, if not written, by Eddie Cantor, possibly during the Ziegfeld Follies shows that he was in at this time. Uh, and that's it for our set. So those are our four hot dance tunes of the period by Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra. Nobody's Rose, Pensacola, Dinah, I Want Somebody to Cheer Me Up, I Want to See a Little More of What I Saw in Arkansas, and Let Me Introduce You to My Rosie. <laughs> Thank you. 
So the Henderson Band of this period was really the Rolls-Royce of black dance bands in New York, really in America at the time. They were the, the trendsetters. Ellington was just getting started, and there were some other smaller uh, or, or bands of smaller reputation in New York that were quite good. Charlie Johnson's Paradise Orchestra, Leroy Smith, there were quite, quite a few others, and of course the Territory Bands, Benny Moten, uh, and so forth, were, were quite um, accomplished. But the Henderson Band was in the right place at the right time. It had the right musicians. Uh, it was considered a trendsetter in jazz as well as in dance music. And we just heard a sequence of, with one exception, fairly forgotten and forgettable pop tunes, but really very good arrangements, probably stock arrangements, although maybe uh, Don Redman uh, changed some of them to a certain degree, uh, but really played well by the Henderson Band, which was uh, just top quality in terms of musicianship. As time went on, it started loosening up a little bit, and uh, the band became more undependable. Henderson was not a really tough leader, so he let a lot of things slide as time went on, but at this point, it was really a first-class dance and jazz band. So we started out with Nobody's Rose and Pensacola. Um, these were tunes done for Columbia on December 18th of 1925. Nobody's Rose, we heard a full chorus solo by Joe Smith, and it's not hard to imagine that Louis Armstrong may have played that solo when he was with the band, if they were indeed playing that arrangement. Uh, Smith actually sounded like he might have been trying to imitate Armstrong, at least at the beginning, and with some of the hotter playing styles that were not native to him. Uh, Joe Smith was a very reflective uh, player. In later years, he might have been more of a ballad player, but he was renowned for his uh, accompanying of blues singers, accompaniments of blues singers, particularly Bessie Smith. And uh, we're going to be doing a show on Joe Smith coming up a little later. We also heard some uh, good bass sax in there and tenor sax as well by Coleman Hawkins. And on Pensacola, we heard some excellent clarinet by Buster Bailey, who was considered the top clarinet player in New York really for most of the 1920s until some other players like uh, William Thornton Blue and Barney Bagard came along as well. And after that, we went to the four tunes from January 6th of 1926 for Vocalion. We heard Dinah, I Want Somebody to Cheer Me Up, I want to see a little more of what I saw in Arkansas, and let me introduce you to my Rosie, all featuring good solos by Joe Smith on trumpet, uh, Charlie Green on trombone, Buster Bailey on clarinet, Coleman Hawkins on both tenor and bass sax, uh, and even some banjo in there by uh, Charlie Dixon, some great drumming by Kaiser Marshall, uh, Ralph Escudero on tuba, Fletcher Henderson on piano, although he didn't feature himself very much, and on goofus, uh, Don Redman playing that strange instrument, which was kind of a wind instrument with a piano keyboard attached to it, almost like a melodeon or something like that. So we're going to do four more tunes to round out this period of the Henderson's band's uh, recording career, kind of an interregnum between Louis Armstrong and when he brought in um, some other hot trumpet soloists. Uh, we're going to hear the first two recordings uh, done by Rex Stewart when he joined the band. But first we're going to hear two pretty good pop tunes. Honey Bunch is the first one by Cliff Friend and When Spring Comes Peeping Through by Bernard and Stepped. And these were both done for Janet, so a little rougher sound quality here, on March 26th of 1926. And um, this again features the same band uh, with the, the same personnel. It was a very consistent band. They played regularly at the Roseland Ballroom in New York and during the summer months they toured up through New England a lot of times on the Shribman circuit.
So those two tunes uh, will also feature some very good Charlie Green on trombone, I should mention. And then we're going to jump over to uh, the Columbia session of nineteen of May 14th of 1926, so a few months uh, beyond that. And Rex Stewart joins the band at that point. We also have Benny Morton replacing Charlie Green on trombone, and they kind of flip-flopped on different recording sessions and occasionally appeared together. But the two tunes we're going to hear from that are the Jackass Blues, uh, an Art Castle tune and uh, stock arrangement by Mel Stitzel, and the Stampede, the first really notable jazz tune uh, from the next period of Henderson uh, Henderson's career. And that was issued as a stock arrangement, but I believe the stock was taken from the Don Redman uh, arrangement of the tune, which is credited to Fletcher Henderson. We're going to hear some very hot cornet playing by Rex Stewart, and then some cooler, more detached playing by Joe Smith after that, and one of Coleman Hawkins' early great solos as well. So those will be the two tunes that we finish up with. Uh, we're going to start with Honey Bunch and When Spring Comes Peeping Through, and then on to Jackass Blues and the Stampede, Fletcher Henderson and his orchestra.
there we have the introduction to the next period of the Fletcher Henderson Band and their recorded legacy. But before that, we heard two tunes recorded for Janet Records on March 26th of 1926, Honey Bunch and When Spring Comes Peeping Through, both pretty little pop tunes. Honey Bunch especially was an interesting tune that we've played on different podcasts, including the one on Jane Green a while back. Uh, it's one that deserves a little revival, I think. And that was with the Henderson Band, including Russell and Joe Smith on trumpets, Charlie Green on trombone, Buster Bailey and Don Redman on clarinets and altos, with Bailey taking the clarinet solos, Coleman Hawkins on clarinet and tenor. I think he'd more or less given up the bass act at this point. Uh, Fletcher Henderson on piano, Charlie Dixon on banjo, and Kaiser Marshall on drums. We heard some really good Joe Smith trumpet solos here. He was uh, a stylist uh, in in the day. He's not terribly well remembered today, but he was really an outstanding player. We also had uh, Charlie Green doing some outstanding trombone playing. He was the only player who really could be mentioned in the same breath as Louis Armstrong with his band in the year before. He was more of a blues player, but he was uh, a good reader and a good band musician as well. Peculiar fellow. He didn't hold jobs for terribly long, but uh, his playing really holds up well over the years. Then we went on to the Columbia session of May 14th of 1926. We heard the Jackass Blues from that stock arrangement. We heard a little Rex Stewart, who was added on cornet, uh, along with Benny Morton on trombone, who had replaced, at least temporarily, uh, Charlie Green. And as I said, Morton and Green sort of leapfrogged each other back and forth in this band for a couple of years. Then the uh, the premier piece, the Stampede, uh, composed by or credited to Fletcher Henderson, but definitely a Don Redman arrangement, uh, featuring some beautifully controlled Joe Smith cornet playing, succeeded by some beautifully uncontrolled Rex Stewart cornet playing at the end of the arrangement there, along with a brilliant tenor saxophone solo by Coleman Hawkins that demonstrated how he had uh, evolved along the lines that Armstrong had laid out. Rex Stewart did not last long in the band at this point. He uh, was there for that session and the next session of the Dixie Stompers, and then after that, by the uh, summer uh, or by the late fall of 1926, he had left the band. He didn't think he was up to the task. He uh, idolized Louis Armstrong, and he knew he was being hired to replace him to some degree, and he just basically had a meltdown and left one day without uh, word or reason, but he was to return to the band later on. His replacement was the New Orleans trumpet player Tommy Ladnier, and uh, he and Joe Smith provided a very interesting two-trumpet team where they were featured very frequently on the same recording, very contrasting styles, so we will get to that at some other point. We actually have heard quite a few of those tunes uh, on uh, other podcasts and a radio show that we did on Jimmy Harrison, the great trombone player who joined at the beginning of 1927. So I encourage you to listen to that. So thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this program. My name is John Clark. This is the Jazz Focus. If you'd like to sponsor us, please do so. Lots more jazz on the shelves around here that we want to bring out. Uh, lots more plans coming up. Some of these podcasts are taken from my radio show in WETF uh, in... in um, uh, Indiana, and uh, they morph over here or migrate over here to this podcast station after a while. Uh, and I do probably just as many specifically uh, podcast-related shows as well. So thank you, and I'll see you on the other side.